0: This is the reason why they don't even think about the website aspect. They think their website looks professional, pretty on brand, but they don't really think about the experience of the customer or potential customer on the website.
1: Welcome to Action This, practical wisdom from Experience Management Pros, a podcast series featuring a stacked roster of industry guests dishing about what it really takes for brands to thrive. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Action This podcast. I am your host, Zach Hamilton. I'm the Chief Experience and Strategy Officer here at Chatter by Stingray. And I'm really excited about uh, the chat that we're going to have today. Uh, I think we all know uh, you know, COVID has brought on just a rapid adaptation of digital, digital shopping, digital um, purchasing, uh, buy online, ship to your home, buy online, pick up curbside. And with that rapid adaptation of, of, of digital usage, uh, many brands, many of you as CX practitioners and digital leaders, you know, you're still trying to figure out what's our right online um, conversion strategy. How do we optimize our current conversion strategy? And the cool thing is uh, our guest today, Devas Sharma is a consultant Um, really specializing around conversion optimization. So, before we welcome Dee onto the show, let me give you a little bit of background about him. So, he is a conversion optimization consultant at Rainey Consulting, an ad agency that has managed 25 million in social media ad spend. He has seven years of experience in conducting customer research, optimizing website conversions, writing sales copy, and designing user interfaces. And what I love about Dee the most is he is so willing to challenge the status quo. He is pull-no-punches type of guy and is uh, what I call a leading thought leader in digital today. So, Dee, welcome to the Action This Podcast.
0: Yep. Thank you for having me on this podcast, Zach.
1: So before we get into it, I know I work with a lot of brands. You work with a lot of brands. Digital's on the forefront. But what I'd love to do is just really... Hear from you about your own journey. How did you get into being one of the global leaders, leading consultants and optimizing conversion? Um, You know, we talked a little bit about your experience, but would love for you just to double tap into it a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Okay. so my journey was kind of weird. I used to be a music producer, so I produced instrumentals for, you know, hip hop songs um, or EDM songs, stuff like that. And I, as a music producer, wanted to sell my instrumentals to artists. So I didn't know shit about marketing at that time. So what I did was usually just message a lot of rappers, Hey, would you like to buy my beats? Um, didn't really work that well. And just by sheer chance, I joined a couple of Facebook ads or Google ads. So what fascinated me the most about that was I can target people based on their age, location, interest, what kind of artists they like, um, you know, what kind of advice they had. That thing to me was kind of fascinating. At that time, I thought that, oh, damn, I, I can find the most perfect and ideal people from there, which is far from the truth. But um, I, I thought I could find my ideal customers right there. So it, it was kind of like a I thought I discovered a gold mine. So yeah, I ran a couple of ads, didn't get a lot of sales, um, and that's where I decided, you know, let's just ask these, you know, uh, rappers and, and just, you know, g- get to know why wouldn't they trust or buy from this page that I had built. Turned out, you know, there was just some trust-related issues. There was lack of social proof. Um, I didn't have any FAQ section to clear out where, whatever the objections that they had regarding me, like how will the instrumentals be delivered. You know, um, what, what, what's the lease going to be like? Is it like an unlimited lease or it's a limited time lease? And so on. So I was having a good time there. And by sheer chance, um, maybe I got lucky, some coincidence. I was in those entrepreneurship groups and I was asked to do some customer research, um, landing page design, copywriting, and running a Facebook ads for some of these, you know, Startups entrepreneurs, what do you want to call them? Um, so that was the starting point for me in getting into the field of marketing So, I mean that stuff really sounded exciting to me Uh, You can say developed a second passion music was there but Marketing was starting to build up there and honestly at that time usually when you're selling a music instrumental you can say generally at least goes for $50 per instrumental whereas I was getting paid s- around seven $50 just as a total beginner. So for me, that was, you know, speaking at the end of the day, we all just want money and financially for me, that was pretty good. And I was liking marketing. That was the start of it. And then I joined this, um, a- agency called GD pro media. So, uh, they basically built landing pages and they worked with brands like uh, Manscaped, manscape trunk elephant native. And I was helping them with copywriting, uh, landing page design. And I had my first mentor there who taught me a lot about conversion optimization and user psychology. So that was a turning point for me. And yeah, I think I, I spent some good amount of time there at the agency, there at that agency. I was also doing freelance projects, not just in, in the e-commerce space, but in the SaaS, medical, and other interest industries as well. And I also joined Randy Consulting, you know, the ad agency as uh, Zach mentioned about. So I uh, ha- had you know worked with some cool and interesting clients there, ha- had fun there. And yeah, well, as far as, as customer experience is concerned, I think what I realized was that most website conversion optimization was solely focused on improving the website's user interface, running A-B test to see if this type of user I- interface is gonna help or not. But what I really uh, thought uh, you know, what I observed based on, you know, the things that I saw was that there's no focus on the, uh, from the customer's perspective on, is the, is this product even good enough for me? Is this differentiated enough for me? Am I able to understand the copy and all that stuff? So that's where I think you can say CX came into the equation because most CRO, uh, conversion optimization was just focused on the user interface part of things. Now obviously you can find a CRO agencies that focus on CX as well, but they still call themselves CRO. That's totally cool. But yeah, that's something a a kind of something I noticed and I transitioned to not just being a CRO practitioner, but also being a customer experience practitioner. So that's where I also got interested into the fields of retention, retaining customers and so on. And yeah, that's pretty much about me. Um, I love that journey. D like what I love um,
1: is really kind of your, your entire passion really revolved around, look, I want to sell something. I know I need to sell something. I want to drop my beats, those types of things. But it you took that, that kind of experienced practitioner approach to, Hey, why are rappers picking up the phone or why are they not picking up the phone? Why are they answering? Why are they not answering? Can I get some feedback from them in order for me to help optimize, you know, what my process is? And you've taken that and you've, you know, put it into helping brands optimize, you know, their digital experiences. And and I guess my next question for you, D, is if you really think about what you hit there is, hey, for so many years, Digital leaders' focus has been around optimizing UI, and yes, UI is important, right? When you think about um, how we interact with your website and those types of things versus experience. And so, when you think about, you know, a brand's initiative around how do we grow our e-commerce revenue this year, how do we show year-over-year improvement? Do you think the greatest challenge with scaling digital experiences today is because is too much focus on UI and less on experience, or in your mind, working with the brands that you work with, what is the greatest challenge to scaling digital experiences with brands today?
0: Okay, so first of all, the the bar is too low in the digital advertising space, especially with e-commerce brands and SaaS companies. So if they're focusing on UI, then great, because most brands, they don't even do that. What they do is, they just focus on traffic so you can talk to a lot of e-commerce founders and they don't do any customer research they don't do any optimizations on their website what they usually do is they just focus on paid ads just getting lots of traffic to the website and if the ads don't perform well they're going to blame the ad agency like oh maybe the ad agency is not that good enough and so on and one of the I think obviously um you know we got this thing there but there's also the problem of high customer acquisition costs and low repeat customer rates so back in the day um let's just say in 2012 2030 or maybe 2015 you did have a lot of competitors compared to now. let's just take the example of a supplement brand a supplement brand at that time you know back in 2012 2013 not a lot of people knew about the whole facebook advertising and google advertising thing competition was less and the cost of running ads was cheap the CPMs were quite low so it was it, getting customers at a good acquisition cost was at that time not that big of a deal you know you can get customers for cheap and retention retention is a totally different story there's lots of variables to it but let's just focus on customer acquisition for now. Um, so we had that case there and then what happened was people were seeing hey these brands are making a bank by advertising online let's jump into it let's start our own brand now the thing is with platforms like shopify klaviyo um you, you know there's a lot there's lots of platforms through which you can set up an e-commerce website have all the you know nuts and bolts in place and you know you can get an ad, ad agency lots of them out there and you know start a business uh, a digital ad you know a business that's mainly focused on digital platforms. So that's pretty easy to do. But what happened was now lots of people came into the equation. In fact, it's, it, it, it even became simpler to start a supplement brand. You can just white label, just find a manufacturer, talk to them, and they're going to white label that. In fact, there's lots of manufacturers out there who offer this white label service. So I thing was the products were the same, which affect your retention. But the, a lot of these brands, their, ad, their ads were the same. Ha- they had no true differentiation. So a lot of these supplements, let's say, let's just say we've, we have a sleep supplement. Um, usually those sleep supplements are made of some natural ingredients like ashwagandha. They're vegan. They're uh, GMO-free. They're soy-free. Lots of these brands, they think, hey, we're different because we have all these things. But it turns out their competitors also have these things in place. They are also non-GMO plant-based whatever uh, a thing you want to call it but there's no true true differentiation so if I'm a customer um, let's just say I'm struggling with sleep I have ten brands coming to me and all of them are saying hey you know these are the benefits of our supplement go go! you know we, we even have these discounts and if everybody's saying the same stuff I'm probably gonna be confused which one to buy so I uh, and big publications like Forbes or men's health and so on. Now they also have good customer reviews. So I'm kind of confused which one to go with. So the the, the whole issue of, um, you can say high customer acquisition, acquisition cost comes in because there's so many choices. And also now because of more people are advertising, uh, the advertising costs on these platforms like Facebook, it's, it's gonna be rising. So there's a whole damn issue here. As far as scaling is concerned, I think um, I'd like to mention retention as well, because at the end of the day, it's still part of helping companies scale. You have more profits, you can put more money in ads, you can grow further. Retention is also a huge issue there. Let's just say, you know, all these 10 supplement brands, they have similar ingredients and they also have similar manufacturers. So chances are the products are going to be the same. The results are going to be the same with the product and i as a customer let's just say i'm just trying different brands out so if i try brand one i don't get results i try brand two no results i try brand three no results so i'm probably not if i don't get results i'm definitely not gonna buy from them again so here's and there's some shitty practices going on let's just say this econ brand sends me an email and says hey can you give us a review blah 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 okay i give them a review i i had a bad experience with the product you know what they're going to do? Their review app allows them to sh- filter reviews. So the brand can decide they're only, the review app is only going to show reviews that are four stars and above. So, right here, we have a retention problem. And these brands are going to hire expensive email marketing agencies, which are going to try different flows. Hey, the gurus of the email marketing agencies are going to tell them, hey, you need to have these types of flows in the email. You need to send email on this day, that day all tactics all tactics but there's no research going on there so no matter how much you know types of tactics you try in the email sequence if the product is garbage and you're ignoring the the negative reviews you can't really expect some decent retention you can't expect these these customers to buy again and that's where the whole aspect of treating people as money making objects comes in most of these brands like I I get it. You as a business, you want to be making money, but you've got to understand you're dealing with a human here. A human has a valid reason to buy something or not buy something, whether it's irrational, rational does not matter. They just have the reasons to do that action. So all their, all their email marketing teams, performance marketing teams, they don't do any research. They're, they're just following tactics. So there's a whole industry level problem. I see right here and the bar is so low. Even if you know Google analytics, you're above most of these performance marketing agencies and email marketing agencies. That, that, that's the bar's too damn low in the industry. So if, yeah. if you're, yeah. I, I think D, sorry to cut you off there. I think no for problem. me is there's a couple of points
1: that you just made. One is too many brands think that they can outmarket a bad digital experience. Customer experience, yeah. whatever it may be. Right. And so, what's happening is because brands are spending so much time trying to outmarket a bad digital experience or a bad product experience, it's essentially driving cost per acquisition, the CAC. Because think about it, AdWords become more and more expensive. Facebook advertising is becoming more and more expensive because Google and Facebook and others have picked up on hey, if we can just drive traffic even if we just convert at 1%, we're gonna increase our our current e-commerce revenue. Now, that is to your point, the tactic that's been used for the last four or five years. But when you think about um, the percentage of customers who are returning back to your brand, there's a significant drop off rate. And I think part of this is, you and I've talked about this and I'd love to kind of your feedback on it. I think digital leaders don't really understand the power of customer feedback, right? All they use, is Google or Adobe analytics to help them to basically tell them what's happening on the website. But to your point, as humans, what they're missing out on is why are we taking these actions? Why are we abandoning our carts? Why are we dropping from that specific product page? Why are we having problems during the checkout process? All these different things. And so that brings me to my next question In your mind, what is the importance of digital customer feedback and how should brands incorporate their customer feedback into their digital strategy?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I'll just explain the importance of digital customer feedback in the most simple words, probably in a sentence or two. So you have a business and you wanna sell a product to a person and this person has the economic power to sustain your organization. Customers pay the company money. The company pays its employees, pays for its marketing expenses and so on. So customers have a lot of economic power. Now you have so many people in the company, they have their opinions, but at the end of the day, they're not buying the product. The customers, the people who have the most economic power over the company, they're buying the product if if the brand is struggling to get sales if you ask those customers there's there's, there's probably going to be a higher chance that their opinion is going to matter more and it's going to help your company more and at times you know customer feedback can give you some really cool insights just to give an example i was working with this golf brand uh, they were selling these mini golf bags so the thing is we had a post purchase survey which asked customers you know, what was the reason they, you know, bought, bought from us? And one of the customers said they bought from a, a, that brand was because other brands were copying this client of ours. And that can serve as a differentiating factor or some sort of an advertising tactic, you know, can be used for so many purposes. But a lot of the times, customer feedback is going to tell you things you never really noticed. And... I think um, it's really the true importance of customer feedback, the economic power the customer has, and it's the, the, their feedback, you know, how, how it helps in all levels of the organization from product-level improvements to, you can say, uh, improvements in the marketing uh, department and so on.
1: Yeah, I think, that's a really good point that you made is really around when when a brand is is collecting customer feedback online and that customer's channel choice during their shopping moment, what they're gonna do is help you identify an organization's blind spots as to what is my experience online? And I'll give an example of this. Um, a couple months ago, I was working with a brand and what they said was is, hey, we've had a significant increase in overall traffic, but we also noticed our cart abandonment rate was at an all time high. And so one of the questions that I had for them was, well, why is it at an all time high? And They said, well, we're not really for sure. And so we actually, I started asking, you know, like the five why's for a root cause analysis. And what we found in customer feedback was there was more than a thousand customers who were, who was giving, like they were abandoning their cart. They had a digital intercept and they were saying, Hey, I'm struggling to get this current promo code to work. I can't get it. I can't get it to work, so I can't get my discount. So I'm just going to abandon my shopping cart. So that was that was. Hey, this is what the customers were saying. When we actually connected the dots because we had the digital tech stack connected, what we saw was it wasn't just a thousand customers who were experiencing the problem. It was over 10,000 customers. When you think about looking at um, um, sessions, right, they're experiencing mm-hmm. the exact same problems. The average cart value D was it was like $87. So this is like $870,000 in revenue where customers were trying to, to make a purchase but they couldn't get the promo code to work. So we started to work back. What happened was the marketing team tried to do a flash sale. They sent an email campaign with the promo code but they never communicated to the digital team to say, hey, this is a promo code we've never used before. It's gotta be entered into the code, right? So it can actually be used. And so when you Mm -hmm. think about it, right? Marketing team is going off and doing their own thing. The digital team is doing their own thing and they're not communicating. They're not connecting the dots. They're not helping drive. What does this whole end-to-end experience look like for the customer? And what happened was the marketing team did a really good job of driving traffic. They were getting the click-through rates. They were getting the add to carts. They were gonna drive revenue on this flash sale, but because they didn't think about that whole end-to-end journey, they weren't mm-hmm. able to realize that revenue because the promo code wasn't entered. Now, what happened was they were able to identify a lot of these customers because they they were it, logged into their their my account. Right. And so that they could send a closed loop feedback of, hey, we're so sorry that you weren't able to check out. Here's a 50% off discount code with free shipping. And so they were able to recover some of this revenue. But mm-hmm. the question is, at to what scale, at to what discount? Think about yeah. that. Right, too many companies want to continue to say, let's drive more and more and more traffic. But I always ask, well what if you continue to drive the same traffic volume every single month, but because you're listening to customers, you're now able to make continuous website optimization, and you're able to drive more conversion. So what if you just increase your conversion rate by a half a percent? That's millions of dollars in revenue. And so I guess for you, you know, my question is why are brands not taking a step back and saying, hey, look, we don't have a website traffic issue. We have a conversion issue. And why aren't they listening to customers more?
0: Yeah, okay. So I like to get, get, give a simple reasoning for this. As a kid, you probably saw ads on the TV. You liked that ad. Uh, and you went to the store and bought the product. You didn't really think much about it. So now let's just say, you were that kid, or let, let's just say some other person was that kid, they decided to start a brand. The general conception in their mind was advertising is the only thing that's going to drive the sales. It's kind of a misconception. But yeah, that's what they thought, that all they need to do is focus on running ads. So once they went on digital platforms, that's all they do, just run ads. So. This is the reason why they don't even think about the website aspect. They think their website looks professional, pretty on brand, but they don't really think about the experience of the customer or potential customer on the website. So now they don't really know that even in physical stores, uh, there's a whole lot more things that go into the user experience. Maybe the smell of the store, um, how many cashiers are there. So if there's only one cashier in the store and there's a line of hundred people, chances are a lot of people are going to leave that store and go to another one so they don't have to wait that long there's lots of things that go even into physical stores to improve the experience but that's something they just never considered and also another problem is there's just lots of bad advice um taught by a lot of digital leaders so you're not going to believe this but copying is openly advised out here just go to your competitors ads copy with their uh, saying just change it a little bit and that's it. Even though they're they're gonna say, oh, this was just for inspiration. We made our own stuff, but everybody just sounding the same. So it's like you can say it's a knowledge gap problem in my opinion. And the other thing that you told, um, it's working in silos. So the ads team is not concerned about the website, and you know the the maybe the email team is not concerned with the advertising team. Um, you know, the product team does not care about the advertising team and so on. It's, it's working in silos that creates all of these issues. And so instead of working as an organization that that has a common goal, everybody's just working and doing their own stuff. And that's the problem of working in silos. It's just you, you saw what caused, uh, you, you, see, you see, sorry, you saw the problem that was caused by working in silos. The ads, the digital team, whatever that team was, they didn't communicate with the advertising team, the team that was driving the traffic. And there was this huge blunder. It's, it's a deep managerial issue as well. Uh, so that's what something I'd like to say yeah, regarding you, why so. people aren't focused on, uh, focusing on optimizing conversions on websites and why they're just focusing on traffic alone.
1: Yeah, and I think the the piece of that, right, silos is not a new problem, silos, um, I think, is an inherent age old challenge that we have. And I think the reason for that is uh, we've set our hierarchies up and and our teams up to really just be focused on digital, and let's use digital here for a second, different stages of the digital funnel. Right, so we have a team Mm -hmm. that works on um, top of the line funnel, we have a team that works on product pages, we have a team that works on just the checkout um, piece of the digital funnel, you know, we have a team that just works on last mile fulfillment, whether that's in the store shipping directly to your home. And so what happens to your point is, we all have different technologies that we use these tools that will enable us to have insights into that different stage of that digital funnel versus really looking at it from a digital journey perspective, right? And really organizing, I think, around um, maybe even just different customer cohorts, right? Think about it. We have four to five different generations of customers today that all expect different digital experiences. And so how do we optimize the entire journey? And I think it really going a digital journey base is really going to help brands optimize an end-to-end experience. To your point, how do we drive higher conversion rates? Right. The answer to that is not drive more, drive more ads, drive more traffic. It is how do we connect our digital technologies? How do we break down the silos? How do we look at it from a full end-to-end journey perspective? in order for us to really drive high velocity, high value optimizations. And I think until brands can do, and I think the CX practitioner, by the way, they're the ones that sit on top of all of this. They're the ones that really help identify the blind spots. They're the ones that really help to identify what's happening, both from a positive and negative sentiment analysis from customers. And how do we connect the dots to help drive smarter prioritization? Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely agreed in your mind d like one of the last questions i have for you is in your mind you know we've seen this rapid adaptation of of digital buying behaviors you know many many people out there ex experts or consulting firms will say hey look just over the last two and a half three years of covid um, brands were forced to accelerate their digital transformation which what would have been an eight to ten year strategy in two years in your mind in the next 12 to 18 months, especially as we we look at this global recession that we're kind of going into, what do brands have to get right with their e-commerce and digital strategies if they don't want to lose their customer base to competitors?
0: Okay. The simple one word answer is just gonna be focusing customer experience. The deeper answer is, you can say from the advertising and customer acquisition perspective is, like I said, doing customer research, but one of the most important things I like to say is differentiation. So most niches at least they're saturated and you really need a true differentiating factor. Now there's, you can say there's two to three types of differentiation. One is product based differentiation, meaning you've got an easy to use product. Let's just say we've got Canva versus Microsoft PowerPoint. and obviously, Canvas just way, way easy to use. That's how it's different. Um, then we've got things like some products are relatively faster. Some have better features, and so on. These things are generally based on innovation, and that's cool. If you can innovate, then yeah, you're truly differentiated from the customers. Sorry, from the competitors. Um, and the second thing is that's okay. Like. Second thing is um, liking based differentiation. So that's okay if you just can't seem to innovate in in one way or the other, okay? Not everybody can invent something and that's fine, but humans have this tendency to have a liking bias towards things. Um, Just to give an example, um, let's just say someone is hiding 100 um, managers for a product team and all those managers have the same college degree, um, same grades, uh, same experience, but one of them is a relative of the person who's gonna be hiring that manager. So obviously there's just a liking byster. he's my relative, I'm, I'm probably gonna give him a more chance. So uh, that's just the way the world works, okay? So you can uh, brands can use the psychological biases we have, especially the liking-based bias, to differentiate. Now the goal is not to be always different, but it's to be unique. So just to give an example, um, let's just say um, beliefs. Beliefs can be used to differentiate and be unique as a brand. A good example is Black Rifle Coffee. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're basically a coffee company. Um, They're really, uh, in a really saturated market, coffee, most brands have good tasting coffee, but how this brand differentiated themselves was uh, polarizing people politically. So based on what I've seen, they tend to be focused on the right side of the political spectrum and their entire branding, whatever they do, they're a little bit controversial and they try to get the attention of the people on the right side of the political spectrum. So the left side may not like them, but the right side absolutely loves them. So just because there's some common belief and a liking developed, people are going to give these guys a chance at, okay, let me try the products of black rifle coffee. And you know, there's obviously more things. Let's just say transparency. Um, uh, I'll give an example. So a lot of these skincare brands, um, claim to be uh, free of toxins, sustainable, ethical and all that stuff. Most of these are claims. So let, if a brand comes in and says most brands speak all of that stuff. They claim that, but we're actually going to show you proof. So let's just say they create some content which shows um, how all of the products, you know, the the raw materials are procured, how the, in a sustainable way and how they're produced in the factory, how's it's all natural or, you know, clean safe and all that thats probably going to show transparency. And that's, you know, one possible liking bias a brand can use that, you know, the customer may be like, Oh yeah, these guys are very transparent. I trust them. I like them. I'm probably going to buy from them. So that's from a customer acquisition point of view. Obviously if the skincare product does not work, um, they, you know, they're, they're going to have a retention problem. But and obviously, as far as differentiation is concerned, if you're using the liking bias, you've really got to be ensuring your customers care about the differentiating point you're using. If I don't care about how transparent a brand is and, um, you know, then, then, then that specific differentiating factor is not really going to be working.
1: Yeah, I think so, that's a really good point. I think that's such a good point, D. where to me it really is, are we delivering on our brand promise? Who do we say we are as a as as a company? Um, are we delivering on that? And it goes back even to Black Rifle Coffee, right? They have—I have I've not heard of them, um, um, but they have essentially said, "Hey, look, this is this is who we are, and this is what we stand for, and what we stand for is our right-wing views, and that's okay, right? Everyone's entitled yeah, to their views."
0: Yeah, everybody. Um, views.
1: And so this is this is it. And are we going to deliver on our brand promise? And so. You know, you think about, you know, cosmetics, right? You had you had a great point there. What is actually important to our customer? Not because we think it's important, because socially, right? Um, this is what the public values. But do our customers actually value the sustainability measures? And if they say yes, we do, then how are you delivering on it, right? Just because your your makeup may be free of toxins, but what does the packaging look like? Right? Yeah. Is the, pa- is the yeah. packaging aligned to that? And so it really is around. Um, when I think about this from a digital perspective, too many times I see brands coming out and say, Hey, look, we have the most, the, the easiest, most intuitive website. Um, it's very, the checkout process is very convenient, fast, easy, but yet the customer feedback is telling us you don't offer the, the payment methods that we want to use i.e. Apple Pay, for example, I have to enter in way too much information. There's no transparency in when the delivery fee is. And quite frankly, it took me four or five minutes just to do the checkout process. Well, your experience does not represent what you say you are as a brand and to the customer. And so to me, what, you know, what you said is that digital imperative. It is can digital leaders truly deliver on what the marketing team is saying we are as a brand and the experience that you can expect?
0: Your voice is cutting off. Can you repeat what you said? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so what I was saying was, you know, to me, one of the imperatives, and I think you were getting at that is, Hey, look, can your digital leaders optimize to deliver on what the marketing team said and that brand copy or that messaging or that ads, right? Where we're we're mm-hmm. easy, we're, we're fast, we're that type of thing. Uh, Dee, it's, it's been great to have you on here. I'm just curious in your mind, um, if you think about overall digital leaders, right? Digital experience leaders, if you could just sum it up into how can you experience professionals on the line listening to the, the action this podcast? What is one thing that they can do to better partner with digital leaders to help drive a customer centric uh, digital optimization and conversion strategy versus being brand spe- you know, focused?
0: Okay. At the end of the day, the marketing team or whatever that company is, the founders, the C-suite executives, at the end of the day, all they care about is, you know, most people, they care about what's in it for them. You see, as a company, if you're working in a company and you're getting good good pay and your incentive, you know, if he, let's just say if the company delivers XYZ better performance, okay, let's just say the CMO, if the company makes an additional, uh, let's just say a company is making 10 million a year and they can go to 15 million a year um, within, I don't know, six months, you know, on that path, if they can go to that then that's going to be aligning with the CMO's interest. And second of all, um, just like any human, you really just got all the CX experience uh, and all the CX practitioners. I think they they should simply be, you know, speaking to the inner desires of whatever the, you know, the C-suite executive or founder is. Founders want more money. CMOs want, you know, better revenue. And obviously better revenue company grows, they get a promotion, they get a salary hike and so on. So that's what I noticed. Even when I'm talking to ad agencies, um, I just tell them, bro, you're running all these ads, you're taking all the heat from clients, but you know that advertising is one half the puzzle. The other part is the website for customer acquisition. And you're basically taking, taking all the blame for bad results. They do really want that, and then I just tell them, you know, this is the benefit when you optimize your optimize the website's conversion rate. that, you know the ads have a greater return, the client is happy, and so on. So I think um, if uh, digital experience leaders want to work with any sort of brands and convince them, it's just speaking to their interest, speaking to the interest of every party there, who who has a, you know a major say in the decision making process. Because I, I'm gonna say this. I once tried to, you know, I once at times I used to get on sales calls and I told them about the benefits of my uh, of my service and so on. Um, versus just talking about results. So when I just talked about, hey, I'm gonna deliver this result, this is my service fee, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have a lot of good sales coming in on my sales calls, honestly. But when I started speaking to their interest, first of all, I I, I even spoke to the problems as well. Like uh, hey founder, you really have no clue what's going on on your website or why aren't people buying? I, I ask really simple questions. So uh, you've got a two percent conversion rate. That means ninety-eight percent people aren't buying. Have you done anything to ask these people what's up? They're like no. And obviously, just speak to their. Uh, you, you can say interest. Like at the end of the day, it's going to help you. I speak obviously speak from a short term and long term perspective. That you know, short term, obviously you make this money, but you know, let's just say if we put a true differentiation strategy, your company is actually going to be standing out from all these competitors. And obviously, I and one thing I've got to say as well is, obviously, speaking to their benefits and problems is cool. And secondly, don't speak in really technical terms. I realize I could speak all sorts of you know statistical language and whatnot, but if you're speaking to a person who's never been in that field, just is just explain in the most simple words possible and analogies work amazing in my opinion that that's what i've used in a lot of the sales calls and convincing other people analogies let's just say i'll give a give one example uh, for digital experiences let's just say you have a physical store you hire an ad agency to uh you know run newspaper ads billboard ads and so on a thousand people come to the store and only 10 people buy So that's pretty bad. That's like a 1% conversion rate. So, and it turns out that the store is stinking. There's no cashiers, maybe only one cashier and a line of hundred people. So are you going to be blaming the ad agency or are you going to be blaming your own store? So, and then I just tell them your website is like a digital property, just like a physical store. And if you think about it, you're doing the same thing. If, if people, if let's just say you're a small brand, People come in, they don't get the information uh, they want. They go to YouTube, but because you're a small brand, they, they don't even have much information on YouTube about you. It's a total mess. How can you blame the ads team? So, and i yeah. work the best. Yeah, I think that's so true, right? It is,
1: and I talk about this all the time. Um, it's really the, the experienced practitioner has to be able to connect the dots, right? Yeah. Connecting the dots between what are the customers telling us, what's the why, um, here are our blind spots and then connecting the dots to how is this impacting uh, business outcomes, right? So, it, for, so for the digital leader it is, how's it um, impacting us for converting, you know, a, at a higher percentage for the digital cart. Um, for all the customers who abandon um, what is the value of that cart that was abandoned right and so really starting to connect those dots and that's how mm-hmm. you really try that's how you really get brands bought into here's the value of customer feedback this is why we should be yeah. you know listening with more intent listening with more purpose and driving a better prioritization i think that's so well said even with analogies that is experienced leaders have to be great storytellers because they're essentially mm-hmm. the advocate for the customer you are the digital customer advocate so you have yeah. to be able to understand where are the blind spots? how do I how do I represent these digital customers through a story and then connecting the dots to drive outcomes. D, it's been it's been such a great conversation. It's been a great chat. Thank you so much for coming on the action this podcast and uh for any of our for any of our practitioners who, if you want to pick um, Dee's brain i i invite you to go to chatterresearch.com click on his uh, the podcast his handsome faces is, is up you can click on his <laughs> landing page um, we have his his linkedin profile there you can link in with him. he spits a lot of truth every single day about um, digital optimization and, and conversion um, and, and what he sees in the market so go follow him um, I've learned a lot from him just with his single post. Uh, Deef, thanks for being
0: on, man. Yep. Thank you for having, having me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. For more on Consumer Insights
1: and Experience the Chatter Effect, visit chatterresearch.com.